0: Hello, crime listeners, my name is Nancy, and you're listening to One Last Crime Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the abduction and murder of Polly Klass. In October 1st, 1993, at the age of 12, Polly was kidnapped at Knife Point during a slumber party at her mother's home in Petaluma, California. She was later found dead. We're going to start with what happened on that night of October 1st, 1993. Polyclass Class and two friends were having a slumber party. They were practicing their makeup looks because Halloween was just right around the corner and they thought that they would get together, have some fun, and practice some cool makeup looks for Halloween. The girls were having so much fun. They were screaming, laughing, as typical 12-year-old girls do. At around 9.45, Polly's mom, Eve, walks into the room to hush the girls. She had a bad migraine that night, and she wanted them to keep it down so that she can get some sleep. Of course, after she noticed that the girls were not going to keep it down, she decided to take some painkillers and a prescripted sleep medication so that she can fall asleep even with the girls screaming and laughing all night long. Less than an hour later, at 10.30 p.m., an intoxicated man entered the girls' bedroom carrying a knife. Polly's friends thought, Polly must be playing a joke on us. She can't be serious, since their whole night was dedicated to practicing their Halloween looks and talking about Halloween that was coming up. However, the girls quickly realized that this was no joke. The man told the girls that he was there to do no harm, that he was only there for money. He asked which of the three girls lived there, to which Polly said she did. So he put Polly to the side, and the other two girls, he tied their arms behind their back. He grabbed a pillowcase and put it over their heads. He told them to count to 1,000, and that by the time that they did, Polly would be back safe in the room with them, which was a lie. He then proceeded to kidnap Polly. After the girls heard silence and realized that Polly wasn't coming back, they freed themselves and they went right away to wake up Polly's mom. The Petaluma police officers were called right away and investigators started examining Polly's room right away. They found pieces of cloth, cut Nintendo cords, and a purse on the ground with a cut strap. Right away, the investigators knew that this case would be a tough one because the evidence was so little to none, which led them to think that this was a stranger who abducted Polly. They basically have nothing to go off of. There's no connection between the victim and the abductor. They only have the two girls story to go off of. A police sketch artist was also called right away, and the girls described the man who took Polly for two hours to the artist. They tried their best to give the description that they could. They said the man has white hair, a full beard, and bushy brows. After many hours of investigation, they were able to find a palm print on the bed where the kidnapper seemed to have leaned onto to grab the pillowcases that he used to put over the two girls' heads. But unfortunately, this was no use since they did not have the technology back then to identify with just a palm print. They needed more of the fingerprint area. And a palm print was no good, basically, until the guy was caught. And then they could compare. When this case got out, this turned huge. This was one of the very first cases that was to be announced on the internet at the time. It was the early 90s, so the internet wasn't big as it is today. This case came out on TV shows such as 2020 and America's Most Wanted. As Petaluma police worked tireless to look for Polly, in a rural area of Santa Rosa, about twenty miles north of Petaluma, a babysitter on her way home noted a suspicious vehicle stuck in a ditch on her employer's driveway. The babysitter approached the man and pulled her window down, but just a bit, enough to ask the man what he wanted. The man seemed out of breath, was very sweaty and dirty. The babysitter also noticed his hair was messy and it seemed to have grass and sticks in it. The man said that his car was stuck and that he would leave as soon as he can get it out. The babysitter had a very bad feeling about this man, so she drove away and phoned the property owner right away. The property owner decided to leave with her daughter as she drove down the long driveway. The owner passed the man, who she describes as crazy looking, and called 911. Two deputies were dispatched on the call. The deputies didn't know about the kidnapping or the suspect's description due to the Sonoma Valley units being on Channel 3. And remember, police kidnapping was announced on Channel 1. So the deputies ran the man's driver's license and license plate number, but of course they came back with no wants or warrants. And the man was identified as Richard Allen Davis. The deputies tried to convince the property owner to perform a citizen's arrest for trespassing because the man seemed drunk and they kind of didn't have anything to go off of. The man was just standing there leaning on his car. He told the deputies that he was just sight viewing so there was nothing that the police can really arrest him for. The property owner refused to do a citizen's arrest, and she just told the policeman that she just wanted that crazy man out of her driveway. The deputies called for a tow truck to get the car out of the ditch. They searched it thoroughly before the arrival of the tow truck, and they didn't find any evidence of anyone else in the car. The only possible violation was an open container of beer. But Richard Allen Davis was not driving at the time of the deputy's contact and only possession of an open container was not illegal at the time. So before Richard was allowed to leave, he was instructed to pour out the beer and the deputies filled out an F.I. report. What that is, is that it's an informational card. Um, basically kind of like a report nowadays. Um, this card just said the man's name, um, what he, you know, brief description, what he was stopped for and a brief description as to why the cops were called and basically what they were there for. During all of this, of course, Polly's investigation is still going on. They decided to take a piece of rug from Polly's room so that they can take to the lab and take a closer look at it. On this rug, they found fibers of a foreign rug. Investigators believe that the kidnapper brought it in on his shoes and was a part of the car rug from the abductor's car. They also found a white hair, and when they looked closely at the hair, the hair seemed to have been pulled out of a scalp because the investigators state that there was still a tiny piece of scalp still attached to the tip of the hair follicle. At this point, investigators have a palm print, a hair, and rug follicles, which still don't bring them any closer to Polly's kidnapper. It's the early 90s, so the technology that we have now was probably not even in the works in the early 90s. They were probably just coming up with all of the testing that we have now. One day, Polly's dad receives a call from a girl who he thought was Polly. This girl said that she was somewhere unknown and that her abductor had stepped out for a second. This was huge. This was probably the first solid clue that they were about to have. But of course, since Polly's parents weren't expecting a phone call from Polly, they weren't set up to a recording or tracing device, so they couldn't do much with that call. However, Once Polly's parents called the officers and told them about this call, they went over right away and hooked the phone up to a tracing machine in case the girl decided to call again. To which the girl did end up calling again. And when she called, the call was traced to a house about 30 miles away from Polly's parents' house. But it ended up being that it was a prank a prank that a couple of girls had dared one of their friends to do. After that cruel prank and almost two whole months of having no new clues about Polly's abductor, the property owner from that house with the long driveway in Santa Rosa, she was inspecting her property after loggers had partially cleared the property of trees, and she discovered items that seemed unusual. She called the sheriff's department to report her discovery. Deputies and crime scene investigators were dispatched right away. One of the items that they found was a torn pair of ballet leggings, which was later matched by FBI Cram Laboratory to be the other part of leggings that were taken as evidence on the night of the kidnapping. A review of the calls in the area of the day were made And of course, guess who turned up? Richard Allen Davis, who had only been identified because both deputies had filled out and filed that FI card that we spoke about earlier. Once the identity of Richard Allen Davis was revealed, his palm print that was at the scene of the kidnapping was eventually traced to him. Authorities had not been able to match the partial print earlier due to poor quality of the print. The Sonoma County Sheriff's Department, in cooperation with Petaluma Police and the FBI, launched a search party of the road area. The first two days of the search party were kept as low-key as possible, since... Richard Allen Davis still didn't know that he was the prime suspect in this kidnapping, and he was under surveillance at an Indian ranchera near Ukiah, California. When nothing was found during the initial search and the surveillance of Davis also produced no results, they ultimately made the decision to arrest him for the kidnapping of Polly. Police was so sure that they had the guy that they just went ahead and arrested him to interrogate. While Richard was being interrogated by the Petaluma Police Department and the FBI, a massive search was launched. This search was no longer for the abductor. This search was for the body of Polly Class. This search was one of the biggest searches to ever be recorded and was assisted by the sheriff's department and also by over 500 search teams. The actress Winona Ryder, who had been raised in Petaluma, offered $200,000 in reward for Polly's safe return during the search. The mutual aid effort was coordinated by the California State Office of Emergency Services, the FBI crime scene teams, and a numerous other state and federal agencies. The search remains today as one of the largest ever conducted in California. The search continued through Saturday, December 4th, and the search effort produced other items of evidence, but they didn't produce any evidence of human remains. The search was planned to continue on Sunday, December 5th, but in the evening of December 4th, Richard confessed to the kidnapping and murder of Polly Klass. He himself led investigators to her body. Richard had buried her in a shallow grave just off of the Highway 101. It was about a mile south of the city limits of Cloverdale, California, and the grave site is about 20 air miles and about 30 road miles from the search site. Although Richard admitted to strangling Polly to death, he refused to give investigators a timeline of the events from October 1st. He refused to also give any other details besides him strangling her and putting her on the grave site to where she was found. Once police put all evidence together, it is believed that Richard killed her before the arrival of the deputies on the night that his car was supposedly stuck on that woman's long driveway. And when he saw the deputies coming, he took her body and he hid it in the thick brush on the hillside. He then waited for an undetermined period of time after being escorted back to the highway 12 by the deputies after the deputies helped him unstuck his supposed stuck car they took him back to the highway he waited around and drove back to pick up Polly's dead body and put it back into his car and drive off with it after a very long tumultuous trial Richard was convicted on June 18, 1996 of first-degree murder with four special circumstances, robbery, burglary, kidnapping, and an attempted lewd act on a child in Polly's death. A San Jose Superior Court jury returned a verdict of death as his formal sentencing. Richard provoked national outrage by taunting Polly's family In court, he would show both middle fingers at the courtroom camera. And he also stated that Polly's last words just before he killed her was that Polly molested that. She was used to that because her father did it to her all the time. Richard was insinuating in front of hundreds of people watching this, in front of Polly's parents and family, He was insinuating that as he was choking her to death, Polly was admitting to him. Out of anybody Polly could have admitted it to, she was admitting it to her murderer. That her dad was raping her. So she was used to what Richard was doing to her. This caused outrage in the courtroom because of course, Polly's dad is already going through his daughter's death, let alone he does not need the world to think that he is a rapist, which he is not. Richard's conduct in the courtroom made the judge decision to pass the death sentence very easily. After Richard Allen Davis was given the death penalty, Polly's body was cremated and her ashes were spread over the Pacific Ocean by her friends and her family. In the wake of the murder, Polly's father, Mark Glass became a child advocate and established the Class Kids Foundation. He has made himself available to parents of kidnapped children and has appeared frequently on CNN Headline News and Nancy Grace. He is also portrayed in the Elizabeth Smart story by Barry Flatman as meeting the Smarts and informing them he was working with Fox News the all points bulletin was broadcast on the CHP channel, which is the California Highway Patrol channel, which only California Highway Patrol radios could receive. Due to when Polly was reported, it only was reported on channel one. And there was different officers with the murderer on channel three. So what this did is that it merged all channels into one so that any abduction or anything that was going on that needed to be reported would be reported equally to all California highway patrols. So this concludes the story of the abduction and murder of Polly Class. Let me know what you guys think about this story over on my Instagram and my YouTube channel under One Last Crime Podcast. I'd like to know what you guys would do in Polly's dad's shoes When he falsely incriminated him in front of the whole court saying that he was the one doing bad things to Polly, I'd like to know what you guys would do in his shoes. I'd also like to know what you guys would do if you had Richard Allen Davis in an empty room just you and him for a minute or two (laughs) let me know guys thank you for tuning in and thank you for listening to one last crime podcast see you crime listeners on the next one